Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Here at the Black Information Network, we know how important it is for you to start your week off energized, engaged, and enlightened. So we're looking back at the weekend to bring you the biggest stories you may have missed. Stay tuned for our weekend recap featuring BIN writer and producer Maggie B. Nowen. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Maggie B. How you doing, man? How was your weekend? Ramses job. <laughs> you know, um, it was it was a weekend. Um, there's just a lot going on in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. Just our country, but the world. And <laughs> it's like, you know, you just want to enjoy the weekend and R&R and relax and socialize with your friends and family, maybe go somewhere. But, um, you know, there are a lot of risks that come with that, especially living in America, our dressed up Indeed. Third country. Indeed. And I know you're talking around it. And you know, I'm gonna say something. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna assume mm. on your behalf that when you entered into this space, that you would not have to constantly report on mass shootings. It just probably never occurred to you, and and yet here we are, once again, having to discuss how lives have ended tragically this time in allen texas so first off bring me up to speed what do you know about this yeah um i mean i will say just just to comment on your your point there no i didn't expect um getting into this space specifically that i would be reporting on mass shootings um at least once if not you know more than that per week on a very consistent basis mm-hmm. um i joined the student issues committee actually in third grade fun fact <laughs> so i have um i got my first set of uh civil rights flashcards in first grade or kindergarten uh, my dad growing up in montgomery alabama so you know i've been in um the space of of talking about these type of issues that affect race that affect um society that affect people's day-to-day lives and um you know i was i've been actually doing a lot of reflection over the last few days as far as like um columbine right you know that was the the first big 
shooting that, you know, I think that we probably have in our recollection. And since then, you know, it was a trickle up of increase, but then it's just absolutely skyrocketed. So um, what's that? I said, you doing okay? Am I doing okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is America doing okay? (laughs) Uh, One of my questions is what are we really doing here? Because it's just really, I mean, it's, it's more than confusing. I know that America was specifically designed to be confusing but i mean why are we why are we dealing with what we're dealing with you know um i purposely i didn't turn on the news today until or excuse me over the weekend until like later saturday and um you know i i do that some days because i have the news on almost all day every day and i think it's important to have that balance especially with the news cycle that we live in these days and so logging in on saturday afternoon just hoping you know i'm not I have to stay in tune, right? So I turn, I tune in at a certain point of the day just to make sure there's nothing like super crazy going on in the world that I'm missing. Sure. And um, yeah, there there was a, a mass shooting at a mall actually um, that I turned on my CNN to on Saturday afternoon. And in Allen, Texas, um, there was a gunman who had uh, what is believed to be an AK-47 who basically drove into a mall parking lot, uh, just like a normal person would on a Saturday. And of course, you think about the mall, the the busiest time of the week would be literally a Saturday afternoon. Um, So just drove up and and stopped kind of right in front of the the H&M, like you would stop, like you were dropping somebody off, you know, at at that store and just got out of his car and started shooting with his AK-47. Um, so this was an out. It might have been an AR-15. Right. I, I know it doesn't make a difference, but right. go ahead. Automatic weapon. There you go. That's <laughs> that, it. That kills people. Sure, sure. Um, that puts him in a position to try and play God. Um, just, yeah. So started a rampage of shooting. And um, this is an outlet mall. There was masses. Who knows how many people? I don't think they've even reported. But you can imagine hundreds, if not thousands. And um, thankfully, there was actually an officer on site that was... Um, you know, there for unrelated activity, heard the shots and did the right thing, unlike Givaldi, um, which was, of course, a neighboring city, um, but ran towards the gunfire and basically took out the shooter. Um, the pictures that have that have surfaced of the shooter uh, basically show this, this man um, laid out in, in full tactical gear with the gun uh, next to him. And then it turns out he has um, insignia that it's unclear if it was an emblem on his outfit or if it was actually like a tattoo on his chest or something he wrote or carved or something. But there was some type of insignia on his chest um, that referenced the right wing gun squad, RWGS, if I'm not mistaken. Right, It was right wing death squad. Death squad, RWDS. So um, at this point this morning, they're, they're connecting this to... Um, basically right-wing activists and the the police the the investigators that are associated they're answering like no questions so it's just you know up for the experts to kind of speculate but um here we are today it is what may 8th 2023 and as of this morning we have 202 mass shootings this morning Mm -hmm. so our experts are pretty good at sorting out um you know the details i guess beyond what the uh investigators are answering questions about but it's just to hear the same conversations over and over multiple times a day and to hear our lawmakers just la di da and you know if they are speaking about the actual situation it's thoughts and prayers and we need to do something about our mental health but it's like okay 
We need to do something about the foundational issues that are causing the mental health issues and the community, um, you know, mistreatments across the board. And I'm just like, I'm sure everybody else in this country just floored, floored with what is happening. And like, you know, how do we get our, our leaders to do something? Are they really fit to lead? Like, we really need to be having that conversation. You know, there's something interesting and it's that um, internationally uh, countries are warning travelers to uh, <laughs> yeah. stay out of the U.S. because it's a lawless country. And, you know, these are the sorts of warnings that we get when we travel to countries in South America and Mexico and Africa and places like that. You know, there are these travel warnings for folks uh, who want to go these places that are known to have a lot of violent activity. Well, now it's happening here. And, uh, you know, this instance and, and all the instances leading up to it. And indeed, uh, unfortunately, I believe future instances of mass uh, gun violence will continue to um, validate those warnings. You know, we lost uh, eight people in this most recent uh, mass shooting in Allen, Texas, and seven were wounded. Um, and again, if, if that there hadn't have been an off-duty off officer, sorry, on site, this could have been way worse. You know, um, we've read and we know that sometimes shooters will come back and reshoot people that are squirming around, you know, to increase the, the death toll. We know, um, you know, I, I personally have been down these rabbit holes uh, where kind of like what what creates a mass shooter? Where where is a, mm. what what inspires a person? What radicalizes a person to this degree? And again, they're often right wing very right-wing uh, folks who are filled with hatred and they found a sense of community online and they've connected the, the, the source of all of their problems or their lack of mobility in society or the fact that they never became movie stars or, you know, um, millionaires or, you know, athletes or whatever it was that they wanted to be when they were kids. They've connected that to liberals. They've connected that to transgender people they've connected that to black people of course they've connected it to jewish people they've connected it to mexican people um in this instance the the shooter's last name is garcia i don't want to give him any credit but uh just to kind of help paint a picture so indeed this indoctrination is very powerful you know? oh yeah no. so so what you end up with is a recipe for people to rather than blame kind of the mechanics that are uh of, of the mechanics of capitalism or the framework of capitalism, rather than rate, uh, blaming rich people, rather than blaming the political establishment, these folks are down here blaming people who are in the same more or less position than they are in. Um, and the, the radicalization of these people manifests itself oftentimes in these mass shootings, these mass killings. And I know that people on the right often try to point out specific examples of trans folks, you know, making uh taking advantage of you know their second amendment right and abusing it in society they like to point at the the handful of instances of black people committing mass shootings and so forth so that they can look beyond the the massive amounts of far right white males that do these things um 
And there are different reasons for these, these folks. You know, uh, we, we talked about in Atlanta last week, a man didn't get his medicine, not medicine, his drugs or his anxiety or whatever the, the drugs was for. And then he went back and shot up the hospital, you know, so we, we know the source of that or you know, more or less the, the motivation there. We've known, um, mass shooters who, again, people that get bullied in schools and they go back and shoot up the schools. This is something that we've heard since Columbine. Um, but often, more often than not, the vast majority of these are far right wing extremists who are Second Amendment advocates who sometimes have training and they've been encouraged in these Internet silos to go out and get the high score. They've been uh, included in these right wing death squad sort of uh, clicks so that they have a sense of belonging to offset the fact that their lives didn't quite turn out the way that they wanted. And again, instead of blaming the powers that be, the establishment, indeed capitalism, they've they've been uh, convinced that the blame rests with Black people, Jewish people, the general public, everybody who's not them. And the fact that they are very good at othering people, yeah. we're us and they're the others, that they feel insulated, they they feel protected, they feel like they'll be celebrated in death, and that that's better than the life that they've been given. And so, you're right, mental health, absolutely. But um, can I just absolutely, Ro, and I, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But we absolutely, absolutely need to rethink that. I I would go as far as to say rethink that Second Amendment. I don't care what the forefathers said. The forefathers aren't living right now. How in the world does everybody have a gun and this keeps happening and everybody's cool with it? No more guns. So that's the thing, though, too. You know, it's if we're just looking about at the Second Amendment, then we're we're still, I feel like, isolating the issue because, you know, like you just laid out, it's a much more integrated issue um, that has to do with the facets of capitalism. And yes, um, a lot of these shootings, um, the the culprit is uh, following the the right wing um mental health though it, i mean it, it does play a part but that is um something that is a little bit more uh, it's not the foundation of the issue so something that was interesting i found when um, the analysis was happening over the weekend was not only you know of course we're right-wing activists trying to deny 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 any responsibility um or bring up the nra of course which funds all of their campaigns literally across the republican party um but one of the commentators as well just, you know, kept driving home, well, mass shootings happen so much in inner cities and it's really, you know, the criminals and in the urban areas and da 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 And it's just like, it, that is so far removed from the actual reality um, yeah. because obviously that is um, an, af that's an implication of, sure. of the circumstances that, that those areas deal with, um, which are systemic. But the other piece that was new information I heard over the weekend was one of the, um, chief, uh, law analysts, analysts, excuse me, at CNN, uh, was talking about the bank shooter in Louisville a few weeks ago. Sure. And that instance is something where his parents have come out and they've said, our child was hurting. He was he was struggling with mental health issues, specifically over the last year, depressed, anxiety. His mother um, recounted how she, how her son had called her a week before everything had happened and said, Mom, I'm, I'm not feeling good right now. Um, you know, I feel like I need to take some time away from work. And his mom was like, you know, well, um, whatever, whatever you need, we're here to help you. You know, we can support you. And. 
the son, um, of course, that's, you know, what any normal parent would say to their child, but that's what she said. What did she do after that? You know, and it sounds like the parents are now um, left without a son with their son's legacy being, you know, of course, relative now to the mass shooting and murdering people. Um, they're, they're like, you know, we were, we were normal parents. Everybody's coming and saying, you know, you would have done anything that the, any normal parent would do, but our son needed us to be exceptional in that moment. And we were not exceptional for him. And this analyst was saying how in the shooters, um, I guess messages that he'd left behind. And this is stuff that they've stopped actually sharing, um, because they don't want to glorify people. They don't want to, you know, give any other ideas and things. But, um, this person wrote about how he was literally doing what he was about to do because he, the mental health systems in our country are failing because our policies and our laws are failing. So him with the issues that he has, the ease that he was able to go get a gun and go carry out this mass murder was basically the point that he was trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's sick. He's saying, I'm, I'm sick. I need help. And he, um, you know, wasn't, I guess, given the help that he should have had and then also you know the ease of access piece so it really is yes on the surface the gun the guns actually being present and easily accessible and then the mental health pieces as well and the stigmas associated and you know but then it's like again why 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 was he even having mental health issues in the first place you know why are people having all of the issues that they're having and it all goes back to white supremacy and capitalism and at this point it is something that we can look to the republican party specifically as those that are literally fueling this movement more than any other group in our country and protecting it and it's like, are you just waiting for your own child to die? Or, you know, what is it really going to take? Because it it defies all logic. And if these are the, our elected officials who supposedly have intelligence and experience, I'm just like, I'm so worried for our nation. Listen, there's is we can't even just blame them. These are also the, the people that continue to vote right. and continue to subscribe to this way of thinking. And I don't want to make this into a partisan thing, but the fact fact is is that there are people who put them in office and keep them in office and you know from our perspective for for i'll speak for myself i'm not sure what your political leanings are but for me a person who is almost a bleeding heart liberal i believe that it is possible for us all to get along we just need to figure that out and those who've given up on it tend to fall a little bit further right uh in that spectrum however um there's they 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 do what they want they have to do to to keep that power to to get reelected and you know they're playing the greatest hits to their base and and that's that second amendment and i know it's guaranteed in the in our constitution but it doesn't need to look the way that it ends up looking technology has gotten better obama said this there's no need for a person to have a gun that is capable of mowing down crowds of people um, that's a war machine. That's so that's that's for war. That is not for protecting your home against a government, which is why the Second Amendment exists to pre- mm-hmm. so that you have a, a, a way of uh, fighting back against a tyrannical government. The government can obliterate you from the stratosphere with a drone. So it's not the same as what the forefathers of this country intended. And so with that in mind, there's no reason everybody needs a stockpile of AR-15s, because as you mentioned, the mental health uh, infrastructure in this country 
is failing people and people with mental health issues that are undiagnosed have un uh, they have unrestricted access to all of the guns for sale in this country and as we see the result of that is mass shootings day after day after day and yes, you know i have to go to the store real quick i'm almost done i have to go to the store i have to go to the mall too sometimes i've leaned into amazon more than you i can explain honestly because, seriously and because, to drive know, up. I, but you know my son still has to go to school my other son's still in school and then he's going to college you know what i'm saying my my family's still out there and so there's no escape from it and i want to uh um, make sure that i speak to what you said a lot of folks on the right are pointing at um like inner city violence uh to that make up the majority of mass shootings and indeed that may be accurate however the fact is, is the nature of the shootings that are related to like gang violence or inner city violence, that sort of stuff. Those shootings and the nature of those shootings is very different from yeah. a person going into a mall and indiscriminately mowing down people. And that's the specific type of uh, uh, scenario that has captured the um, attention of folks in this country who are like, look, man, can Amazon send me a refrigerator? Because the truth is, I ain't trying to go to you know to Walmart. Because, you know what I mean? So honestly, um, yeah. Your final thoughts, um, because yeah. I got, there's a few things I want to talk to you about. I mean, it's just that it is all of that is so true. And uh, to the point we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, you know, being scared, scared, you know, of ourselves or our friends or family being victims of gun violence. It's one out of three black people, I think, was a statistic. So it is something that more prevalently affects our community as well. Um, but it, it's something where it was it was eight shootings, at least over the weekend, mass yeah. shootings that yeah. took place. That. And it, it you can't even keep track of them. You can't. So we are absolutely as a nation becoming numb to them. And it's just, we cannot, you know, we have to, we have to demand reform. Uh, I mean, to me, you were talking about um, redoing the constitution or the second amendment. I think we need to redo the whole constitution, you know, realistically. <laughs> and I think also too, I think 2024 needs to be the call to action across the board from every single citizen in this country to say what it is and what it isn't. It's, are we supporting guns, chill, killing our our children? Are we supporting women's rights to choose? Are we supporting, you know, capitalism, keeping homelessness at the levels that it is and child hunger and poverty at the levels it is, you know, or what are we doing for real? Um, because I think that we just need to make it very simple um, as far as the marketing goes. But I mean, what about our children? Um, the youngest victim in the, in the, Texas yeah, situation was five. And we've heard, of course, now at this point, many times the reports of these massive guns with these big bullets. What does that do to such a little body? You know, and we haven't heard yet if that five-year-old has made it. Um, so it's really devastating. And, and then let's, let's just talk really quick specifically about Texas. Um, because Texas, uh, is the is the number one state in the country for not only the worst mental health, not only the worst mental health, but also the most lax gun laws. So, you know, where do those go together? It, it's yeah. very confusing, especially when their governor is like, oh, we need to do something about mental health. And it, actually, they continue to roll back their gun laws. And for the last 16 years, mass killings have been a regular feature of Texas life, even more than other states in America, yeah, sure. except for 
worth three, apparently. And so um, just they did a recent study actually on Texas specifically. And so in the last 16 years, they had 551 mass killings. And in Texas, it was 228 people were murdered in that time. Um, so it's 7.9% of all victims of mass killings in the United States are in Texas, one of the 50 states. So equivalently, that should be like 2%, not 8%. Sure. So I mean, wow, it's a lot. When they say don't mess with Texas, I think they mean it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> steer clear. Anybody and anybody intended. can get a gun. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's something that we do need to just be conscious of is is our children, for sure, and, and their mental health. You know, we think no, that we're no, talking I, about us and being scared to leave our house. Imagine our children and the strength that it takes to go to school every day, right? Or sure. to go out with your parents to the baseball game or the mall and to just have a normal childhood you can't in America anymore. And, um, you know, just making sure that we are teaching our children resilience. There was a neat article. Um, actually, I don't even have the source. Website. Oh, CMDC actually shared it. So it was a neuropsychologist talking about um, raising resilient kids. And they talked talk about, you know, making sure that you are taking the time to acknowledge the circumstance and the worry that they have and imagining the worst case scenario, but then also making sure that they're armed with information and, and able to imagine the best case scenario and pointing out um, and reinforcing positive outcomes and just arming them with the tools and resources. I know there's a lot of parents commenting about how they've gone over these active shooter plans, you know, with their children and as as terrible as it is that they have to do this, that those things are saving people's lives right now. So, you know, whatever we can do, that's one of the things. Sure. I, I, I myself had to, I brought my son up on the radio. He was seven at the time. And I told him about mass shootings and um, had that conversation in front of my radio audience and did my best to empower folks to to do the same and give them the strength to do the same. That's a tough thing because he had no concept of people going into schools and shooting little kids and he wouldn't have known what to do because he's never heard a gunshot, you know. So um, and real quick, I want to say this. Yo, if, if you're in Texas, I'm just picking on you. I just got to figure it out. I love Texas. Been there many times. Beautiful <laughs> place. All right. I don't, don't want to hear it. <laughs> I love Texas. I got people to stay in Texas. So. Black Autistic and Safe, a four-part series examining the concerns Black parents and health advocates share at the intersection of law enforcement and people on the autism spectrum. Catch Black Autistic and Safe with news anchor Esther Dillard exclusively on the Black Information Network. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a Chill Mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on Chill Mattresses and get two free pillows iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Black Information Network writer and producer Maggie B. Nolan is here with us discussing the weekend's major stories. All right. Um, a lot of back and forth going on online, and I can't imagine you haven't heard about this one. So, Ebony K. Williams uh, went up to the Breakfast Club, and do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Okay, okay. Well, so let me you tell you tell the story. No, I want I actually I got to get your thoughts on this one. <laughs> I'm so excited to give you my feedback and my thoughts on this please, um, please. and the audience around this. But you know what? I actually on this topic, I really, I really wanted to hear yours first. I was thinking about that going to the conversation okay, okay. today. Yeah. No. What do you, what do you think about this? So let's, let's it, paint the picture. Let's paint the picture. Yeah. So um, for those that missed it, I don't know how, because it's been, there's right. been a ton of back and forth on Instagram about this one, but Ebony K Williams uh, of the, of the Grio, someone that I've, I've talked to before interacted with before a, a brilliant mind she's kind of come under fire and been supported let's let's be fair because there's two schools of thought here about um some comments that she made uh and you know she she was asked effectually she was asked you know would she date a bus driver and it, she I, I don't think the question was intended to pick on bus drivers specifically but just kind of an every man uh type of person and she said no um she, she i think she said something like does he own the bus or you know something like that right and uh so some folks you know came at her and, and people were like you know this is what's, what's wrong with black women black women are gold diggers and i mean the comments were across mm. the spectrum because there were some people that were like trying to that, that some people that got what she was trying to say she's she's probably more attracted to people with aspiration not if you own a bus but if you own a bus and are trying to own a second bus people attracted to the growth the prospect of growing and then there were some people who were saying listen you got to meet people where they are you know what i mean and and how is that a measure of a person that's just a measure of what they've been able to accomplish man. this isn't in no way a measure of how this person can treat you what they can provide for you in this way and that way and the other way emotionally spiritually whatever etc and so there's been 
kind of uh, for folks that are that don't follow Charlemagne or Breakfast Club or folks that don't follow Agrio, folks that don't follow Ebony K. Williams, um, a lot of folks online have been having this debate and over the weekend it caught even more fire. So there's a little bit of background. Um, so why don't you jump in here? Because I, I you know, all, well, all did you have an opinion? Though? Did you have an opinion on her on her statement? Um, if I'm honest, my opinion is a bit biased. I can only talk about the perspective that I have. And my perspective is that of a person who went to college after high school. And despite coming from Compton, California in the 80s, you know, I managed to, you know, I moved to Arizona, went to Arizona State, graduated. And upon graduation, I took a job at a radio station called Power 92.3. And so I've always kind of worked in, in an elite sort of job space. And so the experience of my life has been that of a person, a man who has um, something to stand on. I, I never had to sell drugs and I'm not knocking people that do because I know that some for some folks, that's the only path. It's a means to an end. That's the only way up out of here. So, um, but that was not a part of my story. I didn't have to do those things. You know, my brothers did those things and they kept me from having to do those. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me to um, offer some perspective here uh, that, is is balanced and indeed fair but if you're asking my thoughts are i'm not mad at a person saying what it is that they want that makes them happy a person articulating what their version of happiness is um for me personally i feel like there are some things that you're born with uh, in terms of responsibility that you have to be mindful of Every day of your life that you wake up, every day I wake up in my life, I am a tailor. That means that my family is, is they're all tailors too. And I have to take care of my family. I was born male <laughs> and healthy and with some intelligence and some capacity to maneuver in the world. And what all comes with that is, is due to my family and owed to my family. So I will always and forever be one of theirs. I was born black, meaning that my people will, will not bury me having not done right by them. You know, I realize that my people have a, a different story in this country. And if I'm successful in this way or in that way or whatever, and I don't turn around and try to help other people or, or give back in some meaningful way to my people or chronicle a narrative for my people, then I have failed <laughs> in this life in that capacity and that will not be my story as illustrated by the fact that i do this and indeed other things uh that i believe benefit directly or indirectly my people and and our plight um and so forth right however as an individual carbon unit endowed with consciousness from our common creator i am also entitled to a version of happiness that i personally ramses has to define what makes me happy after I've checked this box and I've checked this box and this box at a point I get to say that I des deserve to be happy too. 
So if skateboarding makes me happy or surfing makes me happy, or if, you know, uh, watching this TV show or playing this video game, I'm not a video game person, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? If that makes me happy, I, I'm allowed that too. I don't want, I'm not just born to die. I'm certainly not born to suffer and die. You know, is we've, we've moved past that. My, my ancestors lived that reality. They were born, they lived short lives and they died and they were buried in the ground here, right here where I'm at. So I owe it to them to smile a bit in my life. So it's that framework that I use to filter Ebony K. Williams statement. And so I personally am not mad at her. However, I've heard all the arguments and I don't feel that I'm qualified to offer anything substantial in that arena because for me in my own life, I feel like I kind of got, I was born into a family that protected me from everything that could have gone wrong. And then I've had a couple of people invest in me and I did my best with that. And here I am. So I don't have as tough a story. I never drove a bus for instance. So that those are my thoughts. Now let's get this heat off of me. I don't need no, I love I love your response, Ramses, and thank you for that. Because honestly, I I, I agree on, with what you're saying fully. Um, it was it was so to me. All right, let me let me back up. So when I first saw this story, mm. it was um it was Ebony K. Thomas, of course, the lovely um Ebony Williams or, Tom- or excuse me, Ebony K. Williams. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Ebony, I don't know where I'm getting that other word from. Um, <laughs> Ebony K. Williams, um, the lovely. So an American lawyer and television host. So she co-hosts the late night talk show, State of the Culture on Revolt TV. So she had Iyanila Van Zant from uh, um, Oprah, you know, Oprah show days. Um, so now she's kind of her own uh, therapist relationship coach-ish. I don't know if you can really call her a relationship coach, but basically Ebony asked her, you know, how, how should a successful black woman, you know, get their successful black man? How do, how do, how does somebody, you know, not intimidate, how does somebody be a successful black woman and not intimidate a man and attract, you know, the, the successful match for me? And, you know, to me, she was asking, to somebody she thought would be a mentorish type of person, um, a, a legitimate question that that many black women, if not all single black women, have uh, if they are somebody who are who are entertaining the idea of being in a relationship. And Iyanla's response was, "Well, would you date a bus driver?" Kind of trying to guess maybe bring some foundation to what she was about to say or the the advice she was going to give. Um, now, I don't know if Ayanla knew this or not, but Ebony's mom, actually, she, she was raised by a single yeah, mom. She, was, she drove the bus too. And she was a bus driver, right? So that's so, I thought that was an interesting fact behind the scenes. But, um, you know, Ebony's response was if, if he would, if he owned the bus mm-hmm. and the way that she said it, you know, maybe could be critiqued as far as a little bit elitist or, you know, some classism uh, engaged there. However, the message that she's delivering is, is exactly what you described in a sense. She should have potentially framed it with a little bit more detail to avoid the backlash. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. She, she was saying facts. Um, I'm disappointed to see that across the board, it feels like, um, people are just so quick to jump on the opportunity to 
pick apart and critique and in some cases bash, um, you know, a beautiful, accomplished Black woman. Um, so Ebony is is a lawyer, right? She's a TV host. She has um, been involved with lots of legal counsel and litigation from family to civil law and behind the scenes is working, you know, in a lot of ways for our people. On her show, she's talking about issues that are about our people. And, you know, most often, I don't know that I've really seen any, um, anything kind of surface where she said anything outlandish, like some of our, some, some of the other leaders within the black community sometimes say things that were like, oh, what's that? And we have these conversations, but she hasn't really come out with anything like that. So she's pretty consistent. Um, and then she has the accolades. So the way that, that, for example, DJ Envy on uh, The Breakfast Club kind of almost attacked her, you know, and she was, when something like that happens too, you know, what we saw was her response. It forced her to to actually step a little bit aside from the, the full feminine um, that she could be in if somebody didn't come at her like that. <laughs> And had to respond. And, you know, the, the, the tour that she's had to go on to defend her statements of, I've worked hard for what I've attained and I have things to accomplish in my life. And I want somebody who is going to be able to match my drive and my ambition and help me to get things done. Um, you know, that is not, that's not wrong at all. And then, you know, DJ Envy commented about the fact that she was, uh, engaged to a white man right so that 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 is a whole topic of conversation in itself i'm not going to go into the all the facets there but you know where i where i don't love interracial dating or marriage even being a product of um i i do hold more space for white for excuse me black women um dating white white men because black women are, are the number one um you know mistreated group in this country least married women in least married and, and most mistreated you know you look across every statistic black women are at the bottom mm -hmm. so you know if that's something that can provide some level of pr protection and um resource for them to achieve what they what they want to achieve they're still going to be birthing black children and helping move the population forward as black mothers are going to be able to raise their black children um that's not going to be the same if it's a white woman trying to have a black daughter so that's where that kind of um differentiator really comes mm -hmm. in but his comment to her, you know, I thought was very, it, it's just, it's just, un, it, it's inappropriate. It's disrespectful. Um, and it's not giving credence to the actual historical context <laughs> of, of the situations that black women have dealt with over centuries and are still dealing with today. And, um, you know, I have, I have essays I've written about it. I plan to actually write some books about this topic because it really is um, something that hits so close to home for me and is something that it, it's a detriment to our people you know when we are having these difficulties in in communication and understanding I want, I want to, real quick i want to make sure that that our listeners know uh which one of your parents is black and which one of your parents is white thank you um my mom is white my dad is black okay all right go ahead so yeah um so i am a, a black woman being raised or was raised by a white a white woman mm -hmm. um so that has its own um set of difficulties with it that i still deal with and experience to this day um but as far as as far as black women you know being you just mentioned the most unmarried you know it's like there's there's historical context there's systemic inequities there's stereotypes and stigmas there's colorism and beauty standards there's mental health considerations all again correlate and our implications of white supremacy, of capitalism, of colonization, and of the period of enslavement, 
um, that Black people went through in America and the repercussions that we're still dealing with today that basically put white women in a, in a position um, to kind of enjoy benefits based off of the lesser experiences of Black women. <laughs> so it, it's really a, um, a very complex issue. But what, what this cir circumstance has done is it, it goes twofold. One, it, it's created the conversation in our community. Um, so we do need to be talking about these things. Again, relationships are something that's kind of taboo, just like money in the Black community. We do not have enough conversations that are not gossip-based, you know, that are actually rooted in fact and real experiences um, to see how we can move forward together and make sure that our Black community is healed and then, you know, equ equal with everybody else. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, the the disparaging comments across the board and where the black woman is just expected and called out for wanting better for herself and, you know, recognizing the systemic inequities that our community faces, especially me personally, I can, I can wholly relate. Um, I, I, I'm still single by choice, um, you know, at 36 years old, I, I could get married, but I don't have to get married. And I think um, actually Dr. Cindy Trim, she came to mind. We had her on the show several months back and, um, you know, she's talking about finding love in her 50s. But she was able to go and be a vibrant, you know, contributor to her community, to our Black community, not just around this country, but around the world because she was single and able to do her thing. And she didn't compromise her standards, uh, you know, just to, oh, I need a husband. So let me just pick up anybody. If there's not somebody who can match what you're trying to do in life, what your purpose and your passions are, you're setting yourself up for failure anyway. So why why would you not, you know, Ebony Thomas, I mean, excuse me. <laughs> Ebony Williams, geez, she knows what she wants. You know, she obviously with, with the accolades she has, with the career that she has, it's, it's not a question. So why people would be questioning her just feels very insulting, you know, for all black women, really. And I think we need to ask, why are, why are we questioning this? And why is she saying these things? Because is she valid? Is it more helpful to our community if she, if she holds out and she actually, you know, gets a man like she wants versus just settles for a nice guy, you know, who's well, going to rub her feet. I feel like um, at least for this one, uh, Ebony Williams was talking about herself again. So when I when I was talking about my version of reality um, and seeing the world through my lens and making sure that I carve out a space for my own version of happiness. Again, you might like riding bikes. I might like skateboarding, you know, and that doesn't make me an outcast. I, I need to figure out what that looks like for me. Um, she was talking about herself and, you know, you, you had, you had some comments that were, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would have a lot more to offer those conversations if they were fully fleshed out. Um, but one thing I will say uh, about Ebony's comments is that she, was not in any way suggesting what other people should be doing. She mm -hmm. was only talking about herself. Very true. Um, for her to define what love looks like for other folks, I think is reaching beyond what personal responsibility, responsibility to your family, responsibility to your people, your culture, et cetera, uh, really warrants. Um, there are some things that are just personal responsibility. You like oranges, I like apples, and that's that. Um, and the arguments are made back and forth about what degree, what do you owe your people? But a person like her who has given so much to her people, 
um, nobody's required to give 100% of their blood when they're donating. And so um, you're right, this has prompted a very important conversation. Um, but the the people that are making these attacks personal or somehow putting her in the middle of like, you're the problem with, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, these conversations, it's irresponsible to say that, you know, don't ask her about herself if you're not trying to hear about herself. And if you are, then make sure that you keep it in that lens because she's not saying what other people should do or should not do. So who she chooses to marry, who she was engaged to in the past or what bus driver she wants to date or not date, that's all her business, not anybody else's. She does right by our people. And so far as I can tell, like I said, I've actually um, been able to interact with her before. She seems like she's super on the level. She was very kind to me. Mm -hmm. And indeed, so is Charlemagne and everyone else. Um, so I can't say anything about them personally, other than everybody's entitled to a personal degree of happiness as they define and articulate it. And I will leave it there. So as always, I want to thank mm -hmm. you again for your insight. Once again, today's guest is Black Information Network news writer and producer Maggie B. Nolan. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. And join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.